It's Tuesday, February 9th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 392 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 51 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name's Chad. This is Wayne. Two announcements, or an announcement and a clarification, I guess, is a better way of describing it, and then we're going to get down to it. First up, for anyone that has been listening to us for a while, you probably remember the XCOM sagas, where I did a playthrough of XCOM that I used real people in, and... I think I killed Wayne and Johan. I, Johan was definitely murdered. Pat died in a car fire. Yeah. yeah. Which is a strange way to go in XCOM. No, I, I think that Johan and Wayne got possessed by aliens and I killed them. I think that's how. Yeah, because I mean, they had the zombies in that one where yeah. you, they rise back up. It, but it was a kindness. With the release of XCOM 2, I am starting another chapter of that. And for anyone that's interested in following it, this time around, I'm doing two things different. One, I am streaming it on Twitch. So Twitch slash fear underscore the underscore boot. Yes, and Chad, you thought you killed me, but I got better. Well, that's good. And I'll put that link in the show notes. And then secondly, all of the after action reports, plus also the role playing stuff. The people that are involved are invited and encouraged to send in bits of role playing. So there's some of the hosts of Fear the Boot, some of our friends, a lot of people that are listeners that are booters themselves contributing to this. They're sending in all kinds of bits of RP and short fiction and such. And you can find all of that collated at XCOMOps.com. I'll also put this in the show notes. It just started. I've only played one session. So now's a good time to catch up. And the next session I'll be doing will be tomorrow. So Wednesday, February, I think it's the 10th at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time, and I'll be playing that for several hours. So I hope you'll join us. But if nothing else, if you're using Twitch, I hope you will favorite or bookmark our page in general, because while I'm using it for the XCOM Saga now, we've got some ideas to use that Twitch channel for a bunch of additional things, including possibly, and don't quote me on this, some actual plays. So, yeah, not some Let's Plays of video games, but some actual plays of role-playing games. No promises, but we'll see how that pans out. Is it wrong that I'm expecting Dan to drop the episode on Thursday after he just told people to join him on Wednesday? Nope. <laughs> I, I, it's kind of a long story, but I got so tired of my Wednesdays being messed up by a combination of meetings I have at work every Wednesday, plus editing the audio, that what I've been doing is after you guys leave, I just muscle through. I muscle march through, <laughs> and I get the nice show's muscle. <laughs> muscle. And I get the show edited on Tuesday night, so hopefully this will be out there. In and plenty. you know what? If you don't do it, shame for display. <laughs> Alright, so the other thing we want to cover right quick is a clarification on DrewCon. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the uh, guys putting together DrewCon because uh, I know there has... They're totally not us. That's actually one of the points we want to clarify. We've had a couple questions come through across the Twitter feed, so we want to make sure everyone knows this is a community-driven con. The community is organizing it, driving it, running it. A lot of us are going to attend, but we don't necessarily know the answers that you need. So I'm not cooking for you this year. <laughs> yeah. So we'll do our best to pass along the messages, but we don't necessarily know the answers, but I do know some of the uh, confusion we've heard. I've heard some people say that they thought 
that the gaming was just going to be in people's motel rooms. And that's definitely not the case. They because have... this is a hotel, hotel, not a motel. Those are two different things, <laughs> yeah. Wayne. I've told you this. I will <laughs> never get it straight. I know you don't, and it drives me bizarre. But yeah, they will be in conference why. rooms, right. not in, in the hotel. In the hotel, <laughs> yes, they will have big conference rooms, and yep. the games are going up on Con Planner now. I have two games posted myself already. Yeah, and I will put a link to the. When con- is DrewCon? It is. I, June, I said is in June. This is like one of those things. Oh, thank God it's in June because it. Wayne was like. And I've got two games posted. I'm like, oh, crap. Is this like Valentine's Day? Is this next weekend or something? And nobody told me. No, it's in June. And June. I uh, I talked to them ahead of time. I was like, whatever you do, don't make it the same weekend as the Superman celebration. Because <laughs> I haven't been in a few years because Fear of the Cons landed on that weekend. So it is the weekend after the Superman celebration. Right. So I will put a link to that in the show notes. So if you want to see some more about DrewCon, then there's a link to it we can put on con planner where you can go to create events. Once again, we do have conference rooms or they have conference rooms. People are we don't have Jack. On. Yeah. Yeah. We, they have a Facebook group that you can join and they'll answer any questions that yes. you may have that we won't know the answers to. Exactly. You can ask us. And once again, many of us will be there participating. We hope you will be there. We totally morally support this but we are not putting this on so if you bring questions to us there's a very very damn good chance we will not have the answers but i I think most of us i think most of us financially supported it for the indiegogo too yes and but once again i will link to the con planner page in the show notes so you can sign up for events and create events and i will also link to the facebook page where the people that are hosting it are available so if you have questions or want to get involved, that's your place to go to talk to them about that. And, you know, we'll see what the future holds for the actual Fear of the Con, but there isn't one this year. Because I fully support other people running a convention in town with people that I like to game with that I don't have to do anything in the, to organize. I support that a lot. As another thing, Chad just informed me, some people are asking about the Battletech dice. Those are getting shipped out here within the next few days. And- no, they're not. The contest will never end. <laughs> yes, the contest is over. The winners have been selected. I believe I have responses from everybody that I needed an address from. So those ideas are still up if you want to see them at, and I'll put a link to that in show notes as well. But nonetheless, those are going out. So that is completely resolved, except for the shipping part. All right. So topic for today. This came from a somewhat unexpected source. Because I was actually in the process of trying to give somebody advice. And during the course of the conversation, they said something in passing that caught my attention. I'm kind of like, wait a minute, back up. And they started talking me through something that should be so simple, but to me was a really novel idea. So let me walk you through what was going on. All right. So if you guys recall, some episodes back, we interviewed a guy by the name of Vincent Venturella, who was a rules consultant on D&D 5e. And he talked about the game and its development and some of the things that were in progress at the time we talked to him. And since then, there's been a lot of cool developments. Fifth edition has gone into some kind of an open gaming license, et cetera, et cetera. So there's been a lot of cool stuff that's happened since then. But Vince hit me up because he was looking for advice on how to run Battletech and MechWarrior because he was like, I want to get my group started and on this. Where do I even begin? It's such an overwhelming universe. And so I gave him a link to the show, and I'll put a link to this as well in the show notes, 
that we did or I did, I think as a solo episode a little while back, specifically on this topic, how to get started in Battletech and where to find resources to get you oriented and whatnot. And even though he's a listener, he'd actually just missed that one episode. So he went back and gave that a listen. And I also gave him some other specific advice in the instant messenger he and I were chatting through. You need to go back on Happy Jacks as well to have this conversation over there. Because uh, somebody that listens to us ask a question on one of their recent episodes, and they had the angry GM, DM, whatever his name is, on there. And his answer was, oh, you you can't really role play in battle tech because you're just in the big giant robots. Yeah, that's so not. we need to go over and give them the real answer. Yeah, that's not even vaguely true. Exactly. If you are in a pure battle tech game like Mech on Mech tournament at a con, that is true. But no, it's not because we've even still done role playing. That's there. true. I mean, come that's on, true. Now. we've yeah. done role playing in the Apple IIe yes. battle tech crap. Crescent Inception. Yeah, Crescent Hawks Inception. Yes. Yes. So, all right. Stu was joking around that you don't come on anymore. So, uh, I've been talking to him, and we need to get this settled. All right, all right. I will go over there. Settle. There's nothing to settle. He's wrong. No, set up. (laughs) As in us going back over. Right, right. All right. He's still wrong. Well, it's not Stu's fault. No. So, I'll go over there, and I'll straighten these people out. But, in the meantime, he was asking me about Battletech and MechWarrior. And so, I gave him some advice. This was a week, two, three weeks ago. I don't know. You know, I have no sense of time. Hmm. But today, he hit me back up on Messenger, and he's like, hey, I want to thank you for the advice you gave me. My group has gotten started with this. And he started talking me through the character creation stuff, and he said he was doing something. And what he's doing is he said that because this is a brand new system and setting to them, these people know... Basically, nothing about Battletech, nothing about the universe. I want to keep them focused on the nature of their characters and not lost in or overwhelmed by the mechanics. And so as a result, all I am doing is asking them just for character write-ups, and I am handling the mechanics behind the scenes. So people send him a character write-up, and then at that point... Since he is familiar with the universe and he is familiar with the rule system, he takes what they have given him and then goes, creates the characters for them, and then gives them those character sheets on day one of the game. My first reaction to this, like in that instantaneous moment when you hear something, (laughs) was this would give me a mild aneurysm <laughs> and would kill Pat on the spot. I was just yeah. thinking, Pat is like gagging right now and he doesn't even know why. And for once it's but not how sexual. how do you know if I want a <laughs> collapsible cup or not? I know, right? And my second thought after I got past that was, well, wait a minute. This actually, in a way, for a group where there's a lot of trust between the players and the GM... And they're much more focused on role play than rules, which is not a value statement of right or wrong. This is just a possible way a group could be. This actually does make a pretty damn good amount of sense. And I kind of had this moment of why is it that such a simple idea has never really occurred to me before? And the only reason I could come up with is, I guess, in my brain, that idea of, I didn't create every aspect of my character 
is so ingrained. And that's just how you play a role-playing game, right? The players make their characters, period. And then other things happen, and that's just how it is. And so the idea that it could be some other way... I think in anything except a point-by system, the rules make your characters. Baltic is point-by. But like in D&D, I mean, you're rolling it up. Are the players even making their character? I mean, for the most part, they are. Of course, they're picking their class and their skills. Well, I mean, and their yeah, even besides that, but, that's the basic you, stats are coming from the rolls. Right. But everything else... If you're a sorcerer, you're picking which spells you do, and that can inform I, what your character is. Yeah, I've always, I'm a fire mage, I'm a water mage, I'm a whatever. I've well, always I, had a problem with that, in that I, I really hate the idea of the character sheet informing your character hmm. too much. I mean, it's one thing to say, it's like, okay, well, this is a strong guy, but he's not a smart guy. There's a smart guy, but he's not a charismatic guy. And, well, and the, the stats re- represent that, but like going into the minutiae of equipment lists and how that informs the character. It's, it's a matter of preference. You are the type of person where you come to a game and you come up with your character and then you just want to play it. And you do the, the sheets or something you have to do because everyone's asking you to. There are players out there, and I don't fall that far on the mm-hmm. side. They're like John, for example. Sometimes when John plays, I'm pointing to an empty chair because John's <laughs> not here. But sometimes when John plays, when he would roll the method characters, he would mechanically right. build that character, look at the sheet, and, and then, then draw inspiration from exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Some people really want that mm-hmm. as their source of inspiration. Well, what this does is it kind of reverses it, where you start off with, this is what I want the character to be, and then the game master takes the character sheet and attempts to create that. And I'm going to have to not side. I was about to say we have to side with Pat, because I... Personally, do not have a problem with this. I, I think that there's a lot of preference built into it. There's a in, instead of a right wrong sort of thing. I'm gonna advocate for Pat here for a minute because I, I think I have a pretty good handle on what his preference is. Pat would have a really big problem with this mm-hmm. conceptually because he doesn't know who that character yeah. is until he's played it. He, yeah, he's got to play it. I mean, he does not say, "Well, I'm a good person. I'm a bad person." I I have these kind of parents. I have this. I, I do this. I my personality is like this. It's like his characters when he makes them, he enjoys, I guess, rolling them up, doing the what I call the tax prep. You know, filling out all the form and the paperwork and right. putting all the numbers in the in the, the right 1040 place. PC. Right, exactly the 1040 PC. He enjoys that because he's a math major. Oh, but uh, he he likes doing that. But his characters are very basic. They're very generic. Quite frankly, they're, they're not very good at the outset because he none of that informs yeah. his, his play and his character. The events of the world, the feel of the world, the story, the other characters, as it unfolds through the game, mold his character. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really get run in until about three or four games in. Yeah. And over time, I've slanted a little more towards his side than mm-hmm. I started. I started wanting the whole full backstory, wanting everything. And I came to find out as I played games... I would come in with, this is the personality of my character, and then I would see everyone else's personality, Mm -hmm. and I would find that I was never playing the character that I had come up with originally. It always shifted within the first couple games based on what was actually happening in the other people around the table. I think there's two... I don't go to his extreme of not having any of it at all, but I do leave things more vague than I originally Mm -hmm. did personality wise the history is something i want down i want solid 
personality, I'm a lot more flexible than I used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a uh, something that you kind of have to take into consideration, like when you do this. I I think that. Well, I think that all characters need to be made with everybody present, so everybody's kind of on the same page with it. I think that's very important. I, I would hate to do this sort of method right. through email over the yeah. course of two weeks. Well, you know, sure, but I think separate. you could have a but, yeah, face-to-face meeting absolutely. where you discuss the characters at a conceptual yeah. level, but not at a mathematical or right. model level. Right. Now, I don't think I would get behind this for every system, but particularly because you're talking battle tech. I think I would have liked something like this. A lot of systems do have big story and world and a lot to to a mechanically to create your character. Battletech didn't really have a lot mechanically to create the character, but it had a lot of setting. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed by some of the setting and where do I fit in with the setting? Where are we at in the timeline? What does that exactly right? So Battletech more than other systems because D and D, yeah, there can be a lot of setting to it, but. It's fantasy. I right. can kind of work something You're in there. Have grounding. Battletech is so much history and story. I think I would have actually been on board for an idea like this of, you know, okay, here's my personality. Here's my story. It kind of come up with the character and, you know, have a sheet handed to me. I would probably push back if it were a D&D game, a superhero game, something where we're creating the setting ourselves. But this is really a... For me, at least, this is a good idea for Battletech. Yeah, and something I want to stress here before I start diving into some of the specifics that I've got here and some of the specifics that I talk through with Vince, I am certainly not a proponent of this for all the time every game. I don't know that I'm even a proponent of this for most of the time, most games. But I think this certainly can be yet another tool in the toolbox of something that's at least worth considering is this right for your game and for your group? And I came up both as I was talking to him and as I was thinking through this with some good sides to this, some bad sides to this, and some rules I think you need to follow to make this work. All right, so let me start with speaking in favor of this idea and the the points where I think it makes sense. For starters, it does keep the players focused on the essence of the character and not the mechanics of the character. And so if you're having a problem with your group where they tend to R-O-L-L play as opposed to R-O-L-E play, then maybe this is something that'd be helpful, or maybe this is a situation where, and this guy skips down to another one, they just plain don't know the system. And so they're going to end up getting lost in the minutiae of, wait a minute, how does this impact this and this impact that and that impact the other thing? As opposed to really thinking about, this is what I want to be. I have gotten so frustrated in character creation before because I have an idea and I don't know the system. And the character I created does not play. I, I have the opposite problem. 100% with Wayne. I have, I have played games where I have an idea for a character that's not even necessarily off the wall. And the, the rules simply do. It's not that they don't allow it. They just don't cover it. Well, Legend I, of the Five Rings is the big one for me. Sure. You can only play two character classes. You could play somebody who kills with a sword or somebody who kills with a scroll. Yeah. What if I don't want to play somebody who kills people? Then you're playing the wrong game. Then I'm playing the wrong game. Yeah. yeah and, you know, I, that, and that's my fault. And I agree with Wayne. There are many games where I sat down for the first session and I've totally screwed the pooch because I didn't understand what I was creating. All of a sudden I get into the game and it's like, oh, 
Well, the character you made actually doesn't even do what you thought right. he or she would do. Or why is it you don't have this, that, and the other, which every character should have? And it's like, well, I had no freaking idea what Did I was you, doing. Oh, You're, yeah. The systems where there is a necessary, you have to have improved initiative. You have to have notice. You, you have to have. remember when I tried to make a storyteller in D&D? Yes. Where it's like, okay, well. He wants to be a story. You know, he goes from village to village and he, he like tells the news and he tells stories and tales and that sort of thing. Oh, obviously a bard. I'm, yeah. A non-singing bard. Yeah. Except by the rule. Now, obviously we can do whatever we want. Gary guy is not going to come kick our ass. But if you followed the rules, which we were trying to do, my storyteller had to know how to play a musical instrument and he had to have this kind of weapon. And he had to have this combat ability. And he had to have that ability to buff you in combat. And he had to, you know, and he had to have these magical spells. And then he, it's like, no, I want to play a storyteller. And it's like, okay, well, we were like searching through splat books. We were doing this multi-class thing. It kind of became a challenge that one we rather failed at, too. Well, let me skip down to that one. Then I'm going to skip back to something Wayne said, which is another place that's going to be good is if either someone is new to the game or doesn't exactly know how to execute the concept they're after. Right. Okay, so for example, Chad, if you said this is what I want to be and then pass it to the GM to create, well, the GM is therefore giving you some kind of buy-in by presuming, Mm -hmm. okay, here, that they don't just say, well, you have to play this. Yeah. If you gave that to me and I said, well, you know what, we're going to actually find a way to make that work, you know you've already got buy-in from me as the game master to make that work. And I'm in the process of reading the 5e rules, but from what I recall of the bard, and excuse me, internet lynch mob, if I'm not quite <laughs> right on this, the bard actually, the inspiration works differently, right. uh, where it's not like you're singing yep. in the middle of battle. You as a storyteller could sit down and tell me a story, and I would pool a D6. Right. Yep. Where, and as you level, it changes. I'm playing a bard in a yeah. 5e game so right at, now. At that so. pinnacle moment, I could be like, I suddenly think back to that story Chad's character told me. I'm going to add a D6 to my D20 roll because, you know, you've really. And so the point is, though, you could yeah. have done that in yeah, second that's edition. A much better. Rule. The Bard in general. Bard is, yeah. is, they've done a lot cool. that I like in yeah. 5e about the Bard. But Bardic Inspiration is very good it, because you are giving the dice and it's not on your next roll you get it. It's yeah. you when you it. need it, you've got yeah. it, you can well, use it. For the Bard isn't strumming. It's just like, search, search, search the room. And, he, you know, he's strumming along he can actually do things while people are spinning the dice that he already charged yeah them up exactly so wayne to your point another thing that this allows is the game master can add or remove things since they know the system the setting and the kind of game they're going to run all right so if you failed to take that skill everybody needs then the game master can say wait a minute you need this okay for example in my current werewolf game there's apparently some kind of a right by which you make your clothes not get torn every time you wolf out. <laughs> I didn't know this existed, and so my oh, you're the no pants werewolf. Yep, I am, and so my character I had in a recent game pick that up, dude. It, take a note from the Incredible Hulk: stretchy pants. You know, I would accept this is set in like the mid 1800s. There oh, are no stretchy pants. Damn. It's just like in D and D. I have to have mend. It doesn't matter what magic user I'm using. Mend has to be in there. But this mend, hate it. An example from BattleTech is Technician Mech. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of people may say, well, wait a minute, I'm not playing a repair guy. Why would I need technician mech? And one of the things you could mention is, well, there are minor field modifications. For example, if you jam an auto cannon, if you have at least one or two ranks in it, depending on the rule set you're using exactly, you might be able to unjam that weapon or do some minor tweaks to the armor or things like that. And so there are reasons to want to take that. If I was running Battletech, I would know things like, well, strategy or tactics or whatever I'm going to use to modify initiative roles. So I might look at the person who wants to be the Lance Commander and say, even though you didn't ask for it, I'm going to give you a tactic skill so that you have some kind of chance at winning initiative, <laughs> even though you didn't know it, right? And so I think some of these things, yes, you can explain in the course of somebody starting a new game, but let's be honest, in a lot of games, it is so disorienting and overwhelming trying to figure out your character, the setting, the system, everybody else's character, the group template, a lot of mistakes are going to get made that this could theoretically keep from occurring. What happens when the uh, GM hands the player a character that they made that they don't like? I asked him that exact question. I, I anticipated that as because that was one of my first thoughts, too, is mm-hmm. let's say you hand me something and I'm like it's what I asked for, but it kind of sucks. Or maybe you miss character comp or maybe you misinterpreted what I understood or maybe I really wanted something to work a certain way and you didn't give it to me. And his response to me is he's like, be flexible. If that's the case, he's like that I as a GM, I'm going to pull the person aside not, tell them to suck it up, cupcake. <laughs> and not not per se go straight to the rules, but ask them, what is it you're trying to accomplish? What's, uh, Chad, he says you want to be the world's greatest ballerina, not the world's greatest mech pilot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Chad, use one of your things. It's usually they're looking for a button they can push, right? right? right. And so as you pull them aside and say, what's the button you're trying to push? Is it you're trying to speak German better? What is it you're trying to accomplish? And then at that point, the game master can sit down and say, okay, well, let's move some numbers around. The character can be a starting point. It doesn't have to be a finishing point. Right. Provided the person can at least sort of explain to you what it is they're not getting. I I would say what I would do for this, with that in mind, Chad, Mm -hmm. if I were to do something like this with a new group running a new game, I would leave some amount of it for them to finish up. So let's say it's a point by system. Let's say you have 30 points. I make your character as you've described. I spend 28 points. I'm like, okay, you have two more points to throw in. Just so there's at least that little, little bit, bit of... You know, uh, I've always... Wait, I think that's a great middle ground. The middle ground I've always gone for is a slightly different one, which is the character review, which is after somebody makes their character, I say, hand me your sheet, which is something I used to do because I was afraid... One BIM in particular was cheating, <laughs> but more recently is just because it's like, I want to make sure you haven't screwed yourself. Right. Yeah. You know, I, hand, I have well, started doing this you, a lot with fate games. So like, if I were to run a new dressing game for you guys, you guys have your sheets now, so I don't need to going forward. When I do dress or any other fate game, I do the review at the end because mm-hmm. I find that people may not know what I'm going to ask for anyway, right. but there are just some skills in there that you don't realize are, tied yeah so like there are three skills that are tied to other stats people don't know that when they're first creating a character so you look over the review it's like do you really want to put that at a one right because if you put it at a two you're gonna get another or, stat over hey, here are you aware that you want to be the spec ops guy 
but you didn't take one of the most critical skills to sneaking around, you know, whatever that might be. Or if you want to tell any even minor (laughs) falsehood, you have to take bluff, which is not listed. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. So uh, I knew that one would come up nearly 10 years ago, and he's still bitter. Oh, my God. I was in GMing, so that's fine. So, uh, (laughs) you know, what this reminds me of, though, is, Dan, we used to play the Shadowrun mush. This was like pre-sort of graphical internet days. Yes. If you want to know what a mush mud muck is, go look it up. I'm not going to explain it. Just wait for an episode with John. He'll get it. Yeah, he'll go into an abnauseum. Well, anyway, Dan and I played a Shadowrun one, and... uh, I was sold on the idea of taking Texas character over because he had been playing longer. He had this advantage. He was going to stop playing. And so I could just take over his character. And it was sold to me like he's a rigger. Well, what's a rigger? Well, a rigger, he, he can plug himself into vehicles and he can drive all in that. And this rigger is really awesome because he has a whole bunch of skills and he can, there isn't any vehicle he can't get into and, and fly or drive or, or whatever around. It's, it's so cool. And, it, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow, that isn't he. I mean, he could just jump on a motorcycle right away and then you could jump on a boat and sail away. And that's really cool. So imagine instead of it being sold, may, imagine me telling you this. Me tell, it's like I want to play this rigger, Danny, drive and blah blah blah, and do all this stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, here's the character sheet that I was handed when I started the game. Every single vehicle skill was taken at one skill point. Yes. <laughs> Every single skill point was spent in that way. He couldn't fire a gun. He couldn't. Not well. Uh, no, he couldn't at all. Oh. He couldn't at all because Tech spent every single point into every single vehicle skill. But every single vehicle yeah. skill only had one point because he didn't have enough points to put in anything else. So he was illiterate. He couldn't. <laughs> he drooled on himself. He could. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, yeah, he could jump on a motorcycle, but don't go over 10 miles an hour because you are going to wipe out and take out a school bus with it. <laughs> it, it was the worst the most awful character I've ever seen. From everything I hear about Tex, I bet he played it very effectively, though. Well, yeah, because as long as you can con the GMs who, like, they threw down these stop times, yeah. okay, blah, 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 and we're going to roll. As long as you can con the GM into not making you roll for something, it's a freaking awesome character, <laughs> which... I actually got a lot of role play out of it. I, I spent a huge amount of time in a bar driving a bar stool. <laughs> Whereas my character was a racist. Well, yeah, it was kind of funny because that's racism's hilarious. Yeah. But, <laughs> racist within the context of Shadow Rod. He hated trolls and right. whatever. But the game masters, mm-hmm. they needed more people in the Humanist Polis Club. And so they cut a deal with me that if I would work for a particular corporation and be a member of the Humanists, which is basically a pro-human group, then they would give me all of this bonus stats and gear. I had to make a deal for him to join the pro-human club. I thought he'd be in line for that. (laughs) I, I would have been. That's the thing. And so it was like a match made in heaven. So I took it. And the game masters told me in no uncertain terms that... I was... You was like one of the two most powerful. Yes, there was only one person on the entire server whose character had a chance of taking mine. Mm. Other than that, it was like I was just this... 
But on, we spent ninety percent of our time at a bar. Yeah, we did. Yeah. The one time, the one or two times we went out of the bar, I was an unstoppable monster. Thank but, God. Well, you know, actually, you know what his greatest weakness was? I was his driver, <laughs> <laughs> and I shattered your windshield. You did because somebody <laughs> shot me, and the way they like it was like some huge, like they had like some like. Handheld cannon, literally. Right. I don't mean like figurative, like big pistol. This is a big troll. It was like guy, a panther yeah. cannon or right. something like Blasted that. You. Shot me in the chest, did not injure me, but threw me back, and I shattered Chad's windshield. Yeah, of the only car I had, which yeah. was given to me as a gift by the game masters, because he couldn't <laughs> afford a car because he dumped everything into the right. useless and skills. This, this was, oh my god, this character sucked. This was one of the two major drawbacks I came up with to this system. One is rage-inducing characters. What if you either don't want to give up that level of control, which is totally understandable. You sat down at this role-playing game. You're investing in it. I don't think there's any rule that says you have to give this kind of control up to anybody. But the related one is the one that you're talking about, Chad, which is what if you do not even vaguely like what you were given? Like Wayne's two points out of 30 ain't going to fix Captain Crashy. It'd be the reverse of, yeah, no, no, it won't be the reverse. He can't handle reverse. You need two skill points for reverse. Wayne gives you the two points out of 30, and the 28 have been totally misspent. Yes. Absolutely squandered. Is it sad that I'm thinking I would totally do that to Chad? Like, I would give everyone else these characters that they thought of, and I would give him that character. But you know I'd run with it. I know you would. That's why I would do it. So, so the other thing I would question ahead. about this, Dan, is uh-huh. that. Sometimes when I'm creating characters in a system that I haven't done before, I'll run across something looking through the system, and it just will hit me with inspiration. This happens more, I think, in superhero systems than anything else, Mm -hmm. because there's just so many power options there. Like, I'll come in and it's like, I know what I'm going to do. I have my idea. And then I'll flip the page and be like, I can go intangible? (laughs) And my entire character concept just changed. And you don't get that if you... Yeah, you don't get the Easter system. So... Here's my thought on it. Uh, you know, at first, I, was, I actually had the opposite reaction you did. No, actually, I had the same reaction you did, Dan, is that Pat would flip the table over. Oh, yeah. But after that, you had the reaction of, no, this is stupid. Well, wait a minute. Now that I think about it, it's really good. I have the reactions like, wow, yeah, this is totally cool. I'm totally down with this. But now I have the reaction of, no, I don't like this. The reason I don't like it is because I think it's logically flawed. The sort of idea here is that there are new players who are new to the rule system. So what are you doing? right out of the bat, you are keeping them away from the rules when you should be teaching them the rules. Creating the characters are the first step in the rules of almost any rule book. You need to introduce them to the rules. Also, all all the combat, all the rules, all the everything comes from the character sheet. That's where all the stats and numbers are. That's what I was going to say is the... That's the genesis of teaching them the rules is creating a character. The character is how you interface with the game world. Mechanically. Well, both. Well, both. Both. To my So by role-playing, role-playing your character is how you interface Mm -hmm. with the role-playing aspects of the world. And the mechanics of the character is how you interface with the mechanics of the world. If I want to role-play with you, I do so by knowing my character. Mm -hmm. If I want to roll to punch you in the head, I do that by knowing the mechanics of my character. And so, Chad, I think that is Mm -hmm. certainly a good argument of why not to use this. And I don't know per se yet that I also I think it's a good argument of as a GM, 
don't want to do that much paperwork. <laughs> I'm not making your damn character. That's your problem. Well, I'm not keeping your sheets. I'm not tracking your numbers. So let me give you what I came up with. Is if you're going to do this, if this is the right choice for your group, for your game, if you th- think this sounds like a good idea and your players do too, I came up with three simple rules. That I think you can use. Make your own damn character. (laughs) (laughs) Roll your own damn dice. Other than don't do it. Well, I think we made an assumption there too, Chad. Because I was thinking the same thing you were about this sets people up on the wrong footing. He never said they were new players. He said they're new to Battletech. Yeah, new players. I think that does make a difference. If they're new players, I do think definitely you're setting them up on the wrong track. What if they're nude players? Well, then you've seen everything. <laughs> yeah. It's too I late. thought too I'd late. seen everything in gaming. Now I've seen everything. <laughs> seen all right. So all. step one, rule one here, is be sure you get enough information. You need to make sure you actually understand. Like the rules. Well, <laughs> you need to make sure you actually understand what it is the person wants the character mm-hmm. to be and wants the character to be able to accomplish in the game. Mm-hmm. All right. And so I want to kill everything, even if I roll a one GTFO, (laughs) but he sent me a sheet that one of his characters had filled out or one of his players had filled out for this game. Mm -hmm. And it's a one pager, which right there, that makes me happy because as a game master, has to write a amount of information. There looks like a lot of writing and it looks like a tiny little font. Well, yeah, that's a two column design, but but here's that's too much. Okay. Forget all that. (laughs) I want to focus on. Two things that I see on here. One is in the middle of the character. So in the longer write up, mm-hmm. one of the questions is how I fell in with the gang. So group template is right there in the middle of the character that has nothing to do with this topic. But that's I love that. That's a wise mm-hmm. move. And one of these days, maybe this will be episode 400. I want to revisit, <laughs> dude. I want to revisit the group template and update it with some thoughts. Don't that make I've had. promises you can't keep. I, I won't. <laughs> I said I want to. I didn't say I will. Oh, okay. All right. But if I look on the right, there's a bunch of bullet points here. Flaws. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. It's a two-column design, tiny font, tightly spaced. It's, it has bullet points. Bullet points I'm all for. Because a bullet, bullet point is good. not a paragraph. Yeah, a okay. bullet point is you a bullet point. For making the character, yeah. right? I could just take just this one column right here. Just this tiny little column of sight. Flaws. This player, she listed five flaws she wants this character to have. Mm-hmm. Game Master knows right there, if I decide to make dump stats, yeah. the person's not going to have a problem with it. She put down... Advantage. Genre aware. I am a slow <laughs> thinker. I am not physically strong. Overly political. Okay, here's things right now that I know, some of which are role play, but some of which I know how to work with mechanically. So, never mind. Goals. (laughs) The things the character wants to accomplish. Motivations. Similar to goals. But I know that if someone has a goal or a motivation, for example, one of the motivations here is that this person's driven by justice and has a somewhat uncontrolled violence streak. So I know that something like melee combat or unarmed combat or something like that is going to be an important skill for this person, this character. Or is it? But they're weak. They have a violent streak. That doesn't mean they're good at fighting. That means, I mean, there's a lot of guys who get drunk at a bar and get beat up every other night. Well, and we're dealing with Battletech. They have a violent streak. But does it take itself out in the mech because they're so frustrated because they're weak? Yeah. Which kind of 
makes your whole point of knowing what they actually right, right. yeah well, this is why we sit around a table and, exactly and, yeah, and, and so i mean if it. i was running the game i think you, you'd ask questions exactly like, are you a good fighter how how are you if you're physically yeah. weak and a little bit of slow thinker how do you how does this play out right how do you go about chasing these things? well and then they could say well i'm violent and i'm physically weak i'm a slow thinker but you know what i've got a gun Right. Yeah. So, okay, well, that answers a whole lot of questions. Yeah, I shoot first. Right. Some basic facts about the character, age, general physique, things like that. But the point is, and I, I don't want to go through this whole sheet here, but the point is that... I don't think we have that long. <laughs> For those of you at home, yes, what they're saying is true, but they are exaggerating. But one is get enough oh information. God. Two, be fair. When you're making the character, if you know the system and you know the game you're going to run, don't jack them over. Don't give them useless stuff. Well, don't. Here's something that don't cheat them out of things you know they're going to need. You know, you know how, how to do that as a game master through both this example and just anything in the game? Be an advocate for the player. That's what you do as a GM is that you're not on the story side. You're not on your side. You're not on anybody's side except the play. You are there. You are the player's greatest cheerleader. You are the player's defense against the rules, against the plot. If you go into it with that attitude, you're not going to screw the players over. Well, And this actually ties in really well to my third point, which is in addition to being fair, be player-minded. Yeah. Know in advance what is the player trying to get out of this character what are they trying to get out of the game what is going to make a fun experience for them so in addition to knowing enough about the character in addition to being fair also be player minded there is a passive aggressive side of me that would say if no. i'm going to make a character for so and so i'm going to do whatever i can to pull them out of their ruts mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. agitate them a little bit to poke them a little bit no. Yeah. Not in this context. Right. One there thing- is way too much trust being invested yeah. in the game master. I need to, if I was doing this, I need to look at this and say, what kind of character would Chad want Let, to play? Well, and that's the thing. I want to, that. Yeah. I want to point out Chad's wording very closely mm-hmm. and I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he intended <laughs> to do this. And it was just an accident. He very clearly, when he said, be the player's advocate, not the character, did not advocate, say yes. be the character's no. advocate. Oh, oh said, yeah, you put those characters to the meat grinder. Sure, because the point of a game is to challenge, challenge the players, them. give yeah. them a good story, exactly. and that may mean some bad things happen to the characters. Yeah. And that's okay, because yeah. you're, the, you're, you're giving the players They a have good hit experience. points for a reason. Yes. <laughs> it's <an laughs> Unless it's a game where resource. they don't have hit points. And yeah, it's an expendable resource, and it's there to be used. But, you know, you're talking about, like, the comfort zone. You know, it's like you want to pull a character, or uh, you want to pull a player out of their comfort zone by giving them a challenging character and an interesting character and stuff. And I agree with that. I don't don't like that idea. I like it when the players pull themselves out of the comfort zone. I think about, like, Dawn's characters. Dawn plays, I wouldn't say they're similar characters in theme or story, but they are similar in personality somewhat. They are backseat. They tend to be wallflowers. They have a lot of opinions, but those opinions have to be drawn out of them, much like Dawn herself. Her current character is the complete opposite of that. Her current character is forthright, upfront, flirtatious, violent. 
<laughs> quick to anger. Yes. Quick to judge. She goes on and on about how it's this is an amazing experience for her because she never plays characters like this. It is totally not her, and it's very right. interesting. But that was a journey, right? Like years of role playing, and she had to kind of come well, to that. And that was one of the things character. that I noted about. You can't that, force that on something. Yeah, when I was talking to Vince about this, this is one of the things that I noted. I said this takes an enormous amount of trust yes. between the players and the game master. And as a follow-up thought to that, Mm -hmm. the game master needs to live up to that trust. Yes. If you are giving me control of your character at the mechanical level, this is no different than giving me control of your car. If you're going to loan me your car, then it doesn't matter how I drive my car or how I treat my car or how I want my car to look or any of that crap. I need to handle your car the way you want it handled. I need to drive it at a speed you feel safe at in a way you feel okay with, not throw my endless amounts of paperwork on the floorboards <laughs> of the passenger seat. <laughs> you know, I need to treat this the way that, and I think the same thing's true here, that I need to accept that if you have granted me that trust, I need to live up to that trust. Well, and I need to hand back to you a character sheet that is in keeping with what you would have wanted. Well, and the whole rut thing, I, that could be a whole other topic again, because I think my opinion on it has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. I look at you know people that are in a rut with characters, and I question why are they in that rut. If it's the case of they just it's always play the same character every time, or, or because it's comfortable, yeah. that's one thing, and then you might want to shake them up. But there are people, I think, that have done enough in their gaming career yeah. that they have tried what they wanted to try, and then they found what they really enjoy. And who am I... To be the one, right. as even as a GM, who am I to be the one to say what you're enjoying and having fun and you know you have fun doing? You should try something else that because maybe they have tried it. Maybe mm-hmm. they're in this rut because they know this is what they really enjoy yeah. doing. You can't ever look at somebody and tell them that they're not enjoying it when they say they are. I mean, you can't. Steak, mm-hmm. for example. I like a rare steak, yeah. like Philadelphia rare, mooin, bleeding on the plate, turn my mashed potatoes red. I love me a rare steak. Wayne likes a well-done charcoal steak. <laughs> he loves it. And I think of, just separate of Wayne, I think of a, a well-done steak as an abomination <laughs> to mankind and the cow that delivered it if to I us. If I could just have jerky instead. <laughs> yeah, happy. I mean, it's like he's I trying would, to turn a strip steak into a piece of jerky. I but, would take a but, really good piece of jerky over a steak any day. But I look at Wayne eating that steak, and I cannot tell him he's wrong, and I am not allowed to tell him he's not enjoying it, because I would be wrong. Is it an abomination? Yes, but that doesn't mean Wayne is yeah. wrong, and it doesn't mean he's not enjoying it. The well, same thing's true with characters, too. And that's my take on it. If, yeah. the, if someone's in a rut and always playing the same character, as long as that character is not disruptive to the game, yeah. and it's not interfering with someone else's fun, mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me anymore like I, it used to. Well, I don't have a problem with, with a rut. I think my biggest problem with that I see in gaming, and I don't mean in this group, I mean like in the overall history of me gaming since I was a teenager, is not people falling into a rut, but is not being integrated into the game. Where yeah. it's like you get you have six people playing, five people are playing space sci-fi alien stuff, and then you have the fifth person playing noir. They're playing like dark broody noir and everybody's playing like space yep. pirates it's like 
We're all that, playing. That bugs me. We're all playing Happy Glitter Force, and you're playing the Dark Loner. Right. And it, that's where the rut would come in. If you play the Dark Loner yeah. every time, and everyone else decides they're playing Happy Glitter Force, first of all, get out of that group. Right. Because everyone agreed to play Happy Glitter Force. Or get out of the group. Maybe just give Happy Glitter Force a shot. <laughs> just once. No, I'm drawing the just line. One. No Happy Glitter Force here. <laughs> Drew Khan, Happy Glitter Force. Somebody make that happen. Wayne, you're in. You're in, Wayne. I bet Mikey would run you're that. You're in, Wayne. Don't deny it. You're in. Speaking of Drew Khan, be sure to check the show notes for links to all kinds of stuff. The XCOM saga, the Twitch channel. Happy Glitter Force. Drew Khan. All kinds of good stuff. Uh, beyond that, I think we're good for this one. Once again, this is so, just... In the end, though, this idea, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumb I'm, middle. I, it's, I'm thumb down. I, I'm thumb middle to thumb down. Thumb middle minus. <laughs> because it's... Huh. <laughs> it, it's, Maybe I should have gone with stars. I think this is a... Uh, one thumb up, one thumb down? You know, I think yeah, it's of, situational. Yeah, it's situational. I think, yeah, I, I think it's very situational. I think with the people I play with, the situation would be wrong more often than it would be right. Mm-hmm. I think on some level this really appeals to me because I'm lustful of the level of trust that apparently exists in that group between the players and the GM. Lord Fowl from our forums. They never see their stats. They never see their numbers. Yeah. yeah. He does all of that in the background. This kind of thing, that would work that. great for his game. Yeah. You know, even if I didn't trust the GM, the GM was always screwing me over, I still wouldn't have a problem with it. I would just tune my character. Not like you tune, you tune your character in that situation, Dan, to beat the GM. It suddenly becomes a game between you versus the GM. Yep. Totally understandable. Totally understandable. For me, I would tune my character to be like this tragic anti-hero. The, the, you know, because there's a trope of a character where nothing ever good happens to them. And I would like really play up that aspect of this tragic horror. Oh my God, the monsters, they're always 31 feet away. <laughs> so once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Check the show notes for a bunch of stuff. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See you. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor, as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at pulpgamer.com.